G5 Football Daily, the audio accompaniment to what we're doing on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network at G5 Football Daily on social media. If you haven't followed us already, I would appreciate it if you did. Joe Londrigan here with you as always. Mountain West football is certainly the uh, hot topic right now within the G5. We've got a ranked Fresno State team who uh, have played a few really good games back-to-back. Had a little speed bump with that double OT game against FCS Eastern Washington, but still a lot of really talented guys there with uh, Mikey Keene, Eric Brooks, and then that entire defense. Really fun to watch. Staying in the Mountain West, you've got another undefeated team with Air Force. Uh, Just controlled the ground game better than anybody I've seen so far this year, which isn't necessarily a surprise, but still. Uh, in their last game against San Jose State. Um, but with all this, you know, Mountain West goodness out there for college football fans, that's going to be the main focus of this episode. Brought in somebody who knows more about Mountain West football than I think most people will ever know. And uh, that's Jeremy Moss. He has been immersed in this league for a long time, based out of Salt Lake City. Um, which, of course, is where former Mountain West Conference member Utah was based. I believe that's his alma mater. Uh, used to, he's covered the Mountain West for a few different outlets. Um, right now, he's working for USA Today and doing some really good stuff with his team over there. Highly encourage you all to check that out. Stay tuned at the end of the interview to hear where you can find his stuff. But we've got a, an extended conversation with him for you to enjoy today. So we'll jump into that in a minute or two here. Um, also in this conversation, we talk about the whole, uh, relegation situation that may or may not be happening at some point with the Mountain West and the Pac-2, <laughs> um, with, you know, obviously Oregon State and Washington State being the only two holdouts left from that league. So he's got some interesting ideas about how that can go down. We'll see what comes to fruition. And then I think that's about, uh, I think that's about it in terms of what you can expect from today's episode. If you haven't already, you can go back uh, one episode in the feed here and check out uh, what we had to say about the Week 4 slate, what we are expecting from the Week 5 slate. When I say we, uh, me, I mean me, and my good buddy Eric Henry, who writes for 247, but uh, stops by pretty frequently here to uh, chat with me about what's going on in the G5. So go back, check that out, and follow along as we figure out who from the group of five is going to represent the true underdogs in the New Year's Six coming up in a few months. All right, let's jump into the interview with Jeremy Moss. Happy football watching, everybody. Okay, for this next segment, talking to someone who's extremely familiar with Mountain West football. He's been covering the league for a number of years uh, with Mountain West Conference Wire, part of USA Today's group. And this is somebody I've been reading for a long time, Mr. Jeremy Moss. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter just at Jeremy, M-A-U-S-S. Jeremy, it's great to get to talk to you uh, for the first time here. I I know, like I said, I've I've been checking out the stuff since uh, you were part of a... uh, media group that I was also a part of that will go unnamed at this point. But, uh, yeah. You mean one that's, uh, fail- one that's failing, doesn't care about sports? That one? Yeah, that one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. No, it's fun. It's great. I appreciate all the kind words. It's fun. It's 
this year's exciting for the conference, so it's interesting to see what's going to go on with conference play kind of gets more in the swing of things this week. Exactly. And I mean, one storyline that's kind of dominating the league at the moment is the fact that Fresno State is back in the uh, AP rankings for the first time since the end of last season. Um, obviously, Bulldogs 4-0 to start the season. Uh, Jeff Tedford's squad looking really solid as things go. But, um, you know, as someone who's followed this program very closely for a number of years, like I mentioned, um, with what's happened with this resurgence of Fresno State football since Jeff Tedford came back to the program, are, are you surprised that Fresno State's been able to get back to this level? Well, well think about when Tedford took over the first time for uh, Tim Gruder, who was just terrible coaching offense. <laughs> he came, Remember, he came back in year one, one, one victory from Tim Gruder to 10 the next year than 12. And so he went to back-to-back conference title games ranked. And then he kind of slowed, like, Peter off with health issues. He brought in Kale and the Boers now in Washington doing those type of things. So I'm not surprised. But the only – no, because this year a little because he lost Jay Kaner last year to the Saints. He lost Joanna, Joanna, Joanna Cropper, sorry, changed his name. He lost um, Ronnie Rivers and Jordan Menz over the past couple of years. So – we knew the offense, Tedford's the offensive guy. Everybody mentioned, oh, Aaron Rodgers back to me, but Marshawn Lynch, running backs is more his thing, in my opinion, outside of coaching Rodgers. A lot of good running backs at Cal when they were actually good at football and cared about football. So I'm not overly surprised. 4-0, mildly surprising because look who they play. Arizona State's a hot mess, losing Herm Edwards and for the stupidest reasons ever for not just recruiting violations, but like a health and recruiting violation, the co- a pretty bad combo during COVID, coming guys on campus and not being great, and they had to start over there. They did get him out without their starting quarterback with um, uh, freshman shoot. Ah, they just played like four different guys last week. Purdue, okay, you bring a new, co- new coach, okay, helps you out there, Coach Brom. Hudson Carr from Texas, okay, they beat Purdue, who's going to be whatever, okay team. So they got, they got the two power teams at a good time where they weren't that great, but Hey, they're winning games. Doesn't matter. Four and zero. So I'm not overly surprised. I wasn't sure how good Keen would be, just because him coming from UCF and coming, City had to sit last year for behind not playing and spend Jay Keener there, and he wasn't eligible to play. And so there's that to consider. But the way they picked up and it started going great is slightly unexpected. Like I remember in our preseason, I figured, oh, they can probably beat Purdue and probably beat Arizona State. Like not them winning those two games should not be overly surprised to anyone. Because those two teams are middle of the pack in the conference at best, and Arizona State's going to be pretty bad. So I'm not overly surprised because Tedford came back in last year. Ten wins? That's what I do. Ten win ten, essentially. That's what he, that's what he should be called. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And if you look at where they are now, like I said, they're 4-0. They're one of uh, six uh, undefeated teams left outside the Power Five. Um, given that, do you think they're the front runner for that New Year's Six bid that goes to the top uh, G5 team under the current uh, playoff format? At the current moment, they have the biggest advantage because they're ranked. However, I think people are sleeping on Air Force a little bit. Also 4-0, undefeated. Not ranked, should be ranked. Because with them, people are going to probably look at and give like a cross-eyed look, like, hmm, same Houston State, you only did that against them? San Houston State's a legit team. Like, they're – I know they're 0-3, so people are like, oh, they've won nothing. But their defense is really good. I only watched Houston last week recently, 38-7. That's not great, but they only – BYU's a pretty good team. They're 3-1, so actually good. 14 points to BYU. 
um, allowed 13 to Air Force. They held Air Force in the rushing game down, then Air Force just tore it up last week, like John Ray Aldridge and other guys, and they chucked a bit. And Air Force's defense is really good. People usually don't equate them to having a great defense, but they have players out there and they are doing – they've had a defense for a couple of years. So people are like, oh, it's triple. It's run option attack. It's two backs, quarterback, fullback, all that stuff. But I think Air Force legit could be a team like Tulane. There is a case for them because when they also Ole Miss, it depends how the committee looks at things. They didn't have their starting quarterback, and we're leading Ole Miss late, and the end of the game was ended up being like a couple quick scores, so it looks more lopsided. So their team, like talent-wise, could definitely be there, but with not not a ton of huge wins in America down the road with realignment and Cincinnati gone, UCF, those type of teams gone. They could still be the mix because you got last year, you have a good quarterback. They've only allowed 64 points all year, which is really good through four games. That's, that's pretty good defense. That's the fewest of out in the American. So there's a potential for them to be to be in the mix despite them not being undefeated or who they play. But when people look at the committee and what they're going to pick, you beat two power five teams. They Boise or not Boise? Me further just needs them to win. But I think Air Force could be a team to definitely consider. I think they should be getting more consideration for being ranked. Boss, honestly, they only have I think under double digit votes. Um, they don't play each other this year, so that's what the force. It could be a title game, but I. Like, I know Mount West guy, oh, just, you're going to Mount West, of course you are. But I think Air Force, they finally found their other two running backs. So when we look at across, like, the Sun Belt, like, James Madison, are they even eligible? I don't recall. I know they beat Utah State. I don't know what their – do you know what their thing is? I know they're transitioning to, like, San Diego State. Are they eligible yet? Uh, they're not eligible for postseason play until next year, James Madison. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But Georgia State, I don't know. They give up a lot of points, man. But I would leave – Honestly, it's like, oh, Homer do, but Fresno Air Force, probably the top two contenders are undefeated. And they could honestly be 12-0 and 12-0 in the title game because they don't play each other. There's a potential chance, and that would be really cool. Definitely want to come back to Air Force because, like you said, the Falcons are doing a lot of really good things right now. But, you know, to, to close the loop on Fresno State, if there's something in your mind that's going to trip the Bulldogs up along the way to that potential New Year's Six berth, um, outside of running into another undefeated team in the uh, conference title game. Uh, what do you think that is? Is there something within, you know, their own skill set or lack thereof that could potentially get in their own way? Well, the Eastern Washington game wasn't great. These double OT, I think, 34-31. So that's not good. And it's not an Eastern Washington, Washington team that's put up a million points. Um, the running game's solid. You have guys like Elijah Gilman transfer coming in four and a half yards of carry, like uh, Malik Sherrod doing all right. But they have like they have what you want for the team. Like Kim Lockridge is one of the best cornerbacks for the conference. It was a travesty. The coaches didn't put him up for like, any award for preseason, so that was kind of weird. They have Lavelle Bailey is one of the best linebackers in the conference. Not many sacks, but gets out there and tackles reasonably well. A couple forced fumbles this year. So, so I honestly think for what they have, like Carlton Johnson, they mentioned has three picks already. So they have a lot of guys, like six interceptions through a couple of four games. is decent. It's pretty good. But I would think more of a schedule-wise and talent-wise because Mickey King looks really good. So they go – they like the two – there's two games – technically four games, if I'm being generous, the rest of Mountain West. I guess you know, I'll give you a big concern. Eight turnovers, 29 points, Arizona State. They didn't take advantage of those situations, too many field goals. So that's a concern, not punching it in. But schedule-wise, they go to Wyoming, who is really good. And the Texas Tech doesn't look as good anymore because <laughs> Texas Tech seems to be awful. And they held with Texas until the fourth quarter. People went, oh, 31-10. It was 10-10 fourth quarter, pals. It was close. So that, that'll be very – that's probably the most difficult game. 
you know these are a little interesting, but Mike consider them. It's um, Boise at home. If Boise picks things up with their offense, and Ashton Gentry is one of the best running backs, if they get George Solani healthy, and they have a duo running back situation, not that they really need him at the moment for what Gentry's done the past couple weeks. I think he had over 200 for San Diego State, something crazy. Um, I like San Jose State on the road as a, as a tricky one because I really like San Cordero, but they're not, again, not playing as well as they could. Because when they played USC, they figured, okay, 20-something points, 28 points, pretty reasonably good offense. They could move it pretty well against them for the, about half the game. That could be potential because I'm running in. I don't believe anything in San Diego State because they're not very good. Like you saw what Boise State, they ran all over them. They kept it close because their defense is fine, but if their defense isn't elite, they're not a good team because they don't have a good quarterback. Their running game is not what it's been in like four years. So, But the biggest challenge would be at Wyoming hosting Boise State. I put Wyoming as the toughest challenge the rest of the way. To uh, come back to Air Force, you mentioned how uh, how well the Falcons are doing. They're also one of the undefeated teams. Uh, could be uh, a sleeper pick, so to speak, um, or a front runner, depending on who you ask, for uh, that New Year's Six bid. What's your take on Air Force sticking with a traditional triple option at a time when the other two service academies are switching things up with new offensive coordinators that are favoring the pass slightly more? Um. Okay, I don't be the, the, I'm not going to be this person, but I'm going to kind of a little bit. They don't really run a triple option. They just kind of do a run option, but it looks like it. So there is a – it's a slight difference. So I'm like, I'm not going to, oh, you're doing it, calling the wrong thing. And it's more of a – you ask them, no, we do a run option type. It's not a triple option. So mm-hmm. the the difference is really minor, obviously. They don't have a fullback like last year. They actually – sorry, Emmanuel Michael is actually doing – Mitch Michael is doing pretty good this year. He has six TDs. They don't have guys like Jacoby Owens or Brad Roberts, who they had with a fullback dive. So they kind of brought it. They're kind of doing that, but they're not doing Army do with their newest ego and shotgun. But they do throw a bit, a touch. Like on my finger, if you can see it, very minimal part was actually you're throwing a little bit more. But because he has eight for 12 on the year, they're going to run. The big thing we're looking for this year for them was, are they going to find it back? Because John Lee Eldridge was great last year, not a ton of carries because he was basically option three band. QBs and fullbacks in front of him. So he's already like 10 yards, almost 10 yards to carry. Like he's not getting as much run as we thought he would be because he didn't carry it the first couple of games that much. So it's really Emmanuel Mitchell, like Mitchell, excuse me, Zach Lear, the QB. Those guys have plenty of touchdowns, but they go like four deep. And so they're deeper than normal. It's what they need because you you watch the game. Okay, they always sell the schedule. They're up, lights on, 5.30 a.m., breakfast, get in uniform, get attention, you're taking 18 credit hours, lights out, practice, weightlifting, lights out at 11 p.m., be up at 5.30 the next morning. It's tough when you do that many credit hours and that many. There's no redshirting. There's no doing 12 credit hours during the season to lessen your workload. But their attack works well because it's always funny. Troy Calhoun, like he was in the NFL for a while. People are like, well, why is he never – what's is he like, like what's, what's he doing here? Because he's turned down Colorado. He's turned down Tennessee. He's turned on overtures to go to NFL to be an O.C., they just run the ball the, how they do it. It is kind of a triple op- option with the fullback. That's when they bring in the dive. But they're running as good or better than last year. They're sitting at five and a half yards to carry, and that includes a bad game for San Houston State where it took them forever to cross midfield. So I, I just think their running attacks rate and their defense is holding up to what not people typically assume. Like they already have 11 sacks. Like guys like P.J. Ramsey, three and a half sacks this year already in, in a couple games. They have guys in Alec Mox and the best linebackers of the conference. They're good. Like, they're just a good team overall. But the running attack, it's the same thing. It's so unique. It's so different. And when they go 
three plus deep. Like they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five guys with 20 plus carries. Six, if you want to count 10, if you want to get just lower to 10 carries, those guys are all over four and a half yards of carry. Like John Lee Eldridge, the third, hasn't gotten much to play, nine and a half yards of carry. You have Owen Burke, five and a half, five, almost six yards of carry. Dylan Carson, six and a half yards of carry. They're not just running the ball, but they're running efficient and making big plays. They have so many 20 plus yard plays out in front of me, but they're just, they're just doing it. Like they, they, they're just going to run you to death and they have just enough passing game, which is all you need. And they'll go over the top and get you because Jared uh, Rosno, excuse me, he has, it's a, a wild stat line, four catches for 166 yards, 41 yards a catch. It's wild. Certainly a talented group there, and we'll see if they're able to continue to contend the way that they've been uh, throughout the rest of the schedule. Um, Real quick, I want to jump into this conversation about this proposal that's out there for the Pac-12 and the Mountain West to kind of figure out an an arrangement to continue to coexist. Um, But in your travels around the league and in the time you've been covering it, do you have a favorite uh, setting as far as the stadium, and do you have a favorite uh, town within the Mountain West if it's different? I can just default and say Hawaii, even though I've been there, but no. I would say from the stadiums I've been to and seen around, the mountain stuff is amazing. Like, going to, like, I've been to Utah State a handful of time here, and so, like, so I've covered plenty of Utah and BYU games. Anything in Utah, Weber State, anywhere in the northern part of the state, like, the mountain backs are like, oh, this view's amazing. I'm like, Please go look at the top of Rice Eccles or Maverick Stadium of the Logan, like the mountain backdrop. Like the what? The, if you see the Paramount, the Paramount from beginning. Okay, I could be wrong, but I've heard people say that's the view, the mountain from Weber State that you see in the backdrop, essentially, for the, <laughs> for where you're at. So that backdrop's amazing. New Mexico is just kind of a desert. It's fine. I've been there a couple of times here and there. Uh, I'm actually going to finally get to go to Regent Stadium in October. I'm going to go to the Colorado State UNLV game, so I'll be fun to go to that particular stadium. But the mountain stuff is great. Um, never been to San Diego State, Qualcomm, or whatever, but that's like hard pass. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, and Laramie is like it's just the middle of nowhere, but it, the view is amazing. You see for miles out there. But when you get the mountains in backdrop, like I'm from Texas, like I see nothing, just flat everywhere. But the mountain views for the stadiums that have it, like Colorado State, those types, those are you can't. They're amazing. Like Boise State's not quite as big as Utah, but that's always a unique experience up at Albertson Stadium. I think I was there before it was called that, but that's a pretty good view. But I think Utah State would be, is the best view if you're just sitting kind of up there up high a little bit. It's like, it's like if you see Roger Sherman doing his road rush stuff, he went to the Utah Florida game. He's sitting at the top and he's like, I don't care if I'm closer. Look at this view of the mountains. Like, if you've never seen it, it's wild. Yeah, I've, I've only ever seen uh, the views. I mean, I've been to Salt Lake. I haven't been to a Utah game, so that's – uh, certainly on my list as well. And that, that great shout out for Roger Sermon's new project. He's doing some fun stuff. Yeah. Um, just make sure face um, east on the west side. So you see the east. That's what we got to do. Because the big mountains are on the east. You can see mountains on the west. They're, I say they're small, but if you've been out they're not small. But you want to face watch the game on the west side so you see east. If you're like it, anything in Utah, Utah State, BYU, Utah, Weaver State, face, you want to be looking east. That's a, just a tip for those. That's a great tip. I'll keep that in mind. So we mentioned the potential uh, relegation type situation. That's the Pac-2, I guess, at this point, as well as the uh, Mountain West uh, kind of have out there. Gloria Navarez has commented on it a little bit. Um, how do you see this potential situation uh, between the two leagues unfolding at this point, given what we know? I've always I thought about I think the usually the simple solution is what's going to be the case. 
So if we're talking about what, who's joining what, just Oregon State, Washington State, just come on over. You're good. You take your $400 million and you're cool. Take that money and do what you want with it. Split it from what's owed from the media deal. The reverse merger of this stuff, it's like the teams should know better. I don't know who's around from back in 98 when there was a Denver airport meeting to split off the gigantic whack that had Rushton, Louisiana to Honolulu. Like, that's a trip. <laughs> that's far. Houston to Hawaii. Like, Fresno. Like, no, Fresno to Tulsa. Those are big teams that are around. There are people. There's got to be some people around who remember that. So there's like, let's do this. Let's dissolve the league and then we'll join the pack, whatever, to keep the tournament credits and infrastructure for the Pac-12 network, which only two schools have at the moment, obviously, for streaming and some Mountain West do with their Mountain West network. That can leave rife to middle of the night, whisper, whisper, to Mexico's not joining us. UNLV's not or San Jose State or somebody else is not going to join us. And then you're screwed with the 10-team league that kicks out four schools. Who knows how that would be written up if that's what they're going to do. But that, to me, could seem like an option, opportunity for a school, a majority of who's left to kick somebody out. I don't know if that happened. They seem to be unified, but you never know. But I think the most simplest option is to pack the two teams left, join. And the money thing's weird. Like, do you want to take on the debt for Comcast or overpayment, how that's going to work out? There's going to be some common sense, too. Like, okay, these two schools are left. Give them all the money that's there. Like, whatever's left, they're the ones who are staying. It's not their fault it's going away. Any NCAA tournament credits, any whatever, give it to those two schools to do whatever they want to do with. And they don't need to pay into Mountain West, but that would allow for a TV deal that's not going to be as amazing as before, obviously. But just give them the money. They're there. They're, they're, it's not their problem, in my opinion, for why they're they're there. There's nothing you can do about geography and market size when you're in those two college towns. And their brands are obviously, you know, not amazing. Washington State a bit more than Oregon State. So I think they'll just join. That makes the most common sense. But the money, NCAA is like, just, yeah, you get the money. Yeah, the league's technically not around. Give it to them too. Or just give it to the schools that earned it. UCLA, Arizona basketball, let's give it to them. Like, that's also an option too, which would be completely fair in my opinion. Like, if San Diego State were to go to the uh, Pac-12 when it was happening, like, yeah, you maybe keep your credits with you. That's I'm okay with that. But the relegation thing, the reason I think it could work, because there's always money stuff, and there's reason why you don't do it if you go from, say, the Sun Belt and SEC difference in that geography or Mac to Big Ten, because that's kind of regional you do it that way. The money's so different. The money here in the Mountain West and whatever's left might be $10 million a year total, each school. And right now the Mountain West is making four-ish, five-ish, somewhere around there, if I recall off the top of my head. If they do what they're proposing for people who may not be aware, it's I love it. I wish it happened. And doing the NFL, doing every sport out there, make these leagues because the best team will always be at the top regardless. You look at EPL and Bungalies and all that type of stuff. Bungalies soccer and those La league and stuff. It's a tough teams are on top. Manchester United, Barcelona, they're staying there. They're not dropping down. So it's great fun for the teams that are in the middle. Like the Wrexham thing's pretty cool. We'll see or better. I don't know what the team is if you know, but who moves up to the Premier League where their stadium is literally inside people's houses, it seems like. <laughs> people saw a photo on Twitter from the past six months. They got moved up. I think it was 10 years they got to the highest league in soccer overseas, and EPL is awesome. But the way it works, you just, you just bring on a couple more teams. There's talk North Dakota, South Dakota State. So you have 16 teams. You split a half and half. The draw would be amazing. That would be the best TV thing ever. Who gets to move up if it's a random draw, if it's by record? I say just roll the dice and see who goes and does it. And maybe the first year they split the money evenly. 
just because it's not there's, there's not really a fair way to do it unless you want to go by like by wins losses or the records or something or AP top 25 or coaches poll. But I would think the first year to make it more fair, make even split for everybody, whatever the new media deal would be, give it everybody even because the money's not a big difference if it's that 60-40 split that's been um, proposed. And so you just have the what is it the if you win the if you're first place in the bottom half you move up and then two and three play to move up and then the top half if you're eight moved out six seven play each other to stay like how exciting would that be like there's stakes in the game if you move up or move down even even for one year but the money would not be that big of a disparity to make it not worth trying and getting something different out of it so that's where I come along with but if you're going from forty million to five million nobody's gonna fly even though Vanderbilt and Sometimes old Mississippi State, or if you're a random Florida team that knows that I'd be dropped out of Tennessee or Rutgers, it's like that's a big money drop because budgets. That's the big, the biggest pushback. But I think the money's within range. Where it honestly, I don't think it will happen, but it totally could work because the money's not that big a difference. Uh, real quick before we start to wrap up, you mentioned you know the possible additions of somebody like a North Dakota state, South Dakota state, et cetera. You think that is a viable option for the mountain West to kind of add some of these teams to make this sort of model work. I think it would, because you want to, you want inventory. Those two teams were mentioned in the first reporting by Yahoo or front office sports. I forget who had it out there in the beginning, but those two are Reddit. Um, New Mexico state, UTEP are regional wise, but those two Dakotas are really good. South Dakota state beat, I think Colorado state big time. they Hung with San Diego State and North Carolina State, we all know winning national titles at that level. Competitive-wise, they would be right there. But I do think it would make it easier to – I think the reason is because 16 would be good 8-8 eight and eight, because what they're proposing is do some crossover games, I believe, that to keep rivalries intact, which is smart. And so – but I think you get two, two things. If you do – or they could be non-conference games, technically, so they don't count for the standings, however, to work. But I think because you keep uh, be 14. Uh, yeah, 14. You'd have seven and seven, and then you'd, you'd play six games. You're still going to fill out six more games, and that's hard. Like, how many crossover games are you going to do? And they would count as well. They'd do a some-point system where they'd count. But I think having a few more would help for a non-conference schedule. If you don't want to play nine, do a ten-conference game or nine-conference schedule game, especially if you're moving up and down, it's like, what's the point of us moving up or down if we're playing the same teams every year? So if you add a few more schools, you would still play them. It'd be less often. It'd be a, a true move up and move down. They can even go bigger and do where it's two technically separate conferences. Say they do 10 and 10 somehow, whatever team's insert, your favorite team there. You would play nine games or eight or nine games, and then you would never play the other half until you go down or up. So that's always an option too. But those two schools were just were tossed out there. But I think if you want it to really work, I would think get a few more teams and then maybe play one game against the other division if it's a rival, maybe – protect that way because that's, that's what college football is. It's like college football, I want to play I'm a Utah guy. I want to play BYU. Yes, I want to play them. If you're a, ta- a group of Texas, I want to see Texas, Texas A&M. I went to a million Bayou Buckets Rice in Houston where that game was garbage, but those two schools are, are, don't want to play each other. TCU, SMU. So I think you ought to keep that in mind a little bit because that's what makes college fun. Like, I don't want this Super League like they tried soccer. I don't want, like, the big thing out of these teams, like, no, I hate it. It's ridiculous. So you got to kind of keep that in mind. But I think they'd go touch bigger so you can – you don't really want to play a lower division. Not that you're, like, snooty, but it kind of defeats the purpose, I think. 
all uh, perfectly sensible points on your part. We'll see if common sense ends up prevailing in college football. That's no. certainly not always the yeah. case. But... <laughs> what are you talking about? No, never. That's a laughter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, Jeremy, where uh, can people find your work and, and what else you got going on that you want to plug right now? Uh, just head over to mwr.com where we're obviously Mountain West is what we do over there <laughs> on Twitter, MWC Wire. Just check that out. We tweet a million things throughout the day. We write stuff. We have a podcast. We do. I'm actually recording it week or week by preview shortly. So if you want to search a podcast out, go to just search at Mountain West Wire. You'll find it. But yeah, just check out those couple places. And if you like it, just come on over and we have fun. We screw around. Like people are like, oh, you like this team better? It's like our old motto used to be. Yes, we're biased against your team, but people don't like that because I'm like, yeah, I hate your team. I hate everything. I hate every team equally, but that's maybe not the best message, but I still enjoy saying that from time to time when people get mad at us. I remember when you guys used to say that when uh, <laughs> Utah was still in the Mountain West, which feels like 37 waves of conference <sighs> alignment ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we said about it. We had a t-shirt about it, too. So it's all, I don't have one anymore, but we had one where it's like, we're biased against your team. It's like, uh, yeah, we kind of are, just because. <laughs> just because man jeremy moss thank you so much and uh, hopefully we can talk to you again soon definitely thanks man once again thank you to jeremy moss for coming in to talk to us really enjoy hearing what he has to say if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at j-o-e-h-i-o underscore g5 football daily on instagram and tiktok for clips from the podcast mostly as well as you know links to the stuff we write on the site and yeah, of course, check out the website. If you just Google G5 Football Daily, you'll be able to find us pretty easily on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network. We're going to be right there for all the big storylines, all the big G5 games this weekend and every weekend. Happy football watching, everybody. See you soon.